You're a little older and a lot wiser. The future is yours. Define aging on your own terms. Welcome to AARP Without Limits with your host, Mike Olander. Hello and welcome. This is AARP Without Limits, WPTF Talk Radio, disrupting aging with the power of 50,000 watts. And our podcast available, of course, anytime on demand at WPTF.com or through our Facebook, AARP North Carolina. Send us a note to AARP without limits at AARP.org. I'm your host, Mike Olander of AARP North Carolina. We've got a great program for you today. Rebecca Chaplin, Associate State Director of the Mountain Region for AARP, is going to be with us to talk about how Western North Carolina is becoming a better place for people to live of all ages and abilities. But before we get to that, of course, as always, ladies and gentlemen, my esteemed production engineer here, Mr. Jason Kong. Jason, how you doing, buddy? Mike, I'm excited. I feel like I'm almost part of the AARP family because I'm slowly meeting everyone that you interact with on a daily basis. So, you know, maybe one of these days, uh, I, I don't know, I, I can attend the, the AARP gathering whenever you guys have some of your functions. Listen to that. What a compliment that is that you feel part of the family after just a few short months. How good that is, Jason. And certainly you're welcome to join us anytime we've got any sort of social gathering, anything you want to do, actually. We'll have to talk a little bit about that offline. Um, Anyway, how's your week going? It's going great. Excited. You know, Sunday's always a a fun day for me, so I'm, I'm happy to be here. Good. Good. How about you? Good week so far? It's going good. It's had some ups and downs here and there, but that is the way life works, isn't it? But uh, always <laughs> yeah. positive, always moving forward, always looking ahead. Got a quick, or got an important question for you, Jason, um, being that we're going to be talking a little bit about the mountain region. There is this question that um, every person has to answer. Are you a mountain person or are you a beach person? Uh, where do you fall? Okay, so this is kind of a loaded question, and I'm sort of splitting hairs here, but I'm from Florida, so mm-hmm. particularly central Florida, which means I'm like 45 minutes away from a beach in just about any direction. Mm-hmm. So uh, I've kind of had my fill of beaches, so I, I like going. If I have my choice, I'm going to pick mountains just because it's it's more rare for me. Oh, that's good. Okay, so you find some... A little bit of uh, it's it's still kind of a novelty yes, to you in a way, exactly. Right, not just go. You're not just retreating back to what you've been used to. Correct. Early part of your life and all that. I get. It. I'm actually the opposite. I grew up seven minutes from the beach up in Jersey, and I tend to. Well, I love the beach and tend to go to that. But uh, I have to say, I do enjoy the mountains. And one thing that's really really nice that's happened in the last year for me. I'm the baby of five kids, right? Um, the second oldest in our line of siblings is my sister Sharon, who's going to turn 59 very soon. Um, and uh, she moved actually from Lakeland, Florida, her and her husband, in the process of transitioning up here. But their first step was purchasing a home, a small home in the mountains in Western North Carolina. And it's been such a treat to have uh, the opportunity of knowing anyway she's not that far she's not 12 hours away she's only four hours away and i got to see her me and my kids got to see her this summer and uh what a delight it is to be going to the mountains um, in the middle of a heat wave and to get such relief such beauty um you don't have too many stores certainly not a big a lot of big commercial stores up in the mountains there but a, a way of life that uh, I can understand why so many people go to it and decide to, you know, make that their life. 
Yeah, it's just it's a wonderful experience, and especially coming from Florida, Lakeland. I may, most people listening might not understand Lakeland. Lakeland is an area that's kind of exploded yes. in Florida in probably about the past ten years. So going from that to the mountains, I can understand that being uh, a bit of respite and a nice. Nice change. Oh, yeah. Big change for her and her husband. Very, very happy for them. Very proud of them. And I have to say, my sister, I want to say a little bit about her because, um, as I mentioned before, she's turning 59. But uh, she decided to start redefining aging on her own terms right around when she turned 50. Uh, She's a cancer survivor. And uh, part of her what's next was um, to hike the Appalachian Trail. Wow. Um, Which she did. She did in pieces. She had injuries. She's had surgeries and such. Um, And now she's upon the 10-year anniversary of when she started the hike, and um, she's trying to make plans to revisit some portions um, of the the trail. And, um, you know, this concept of disrupting aging, defining aging on your own terms— Um, It can start at any age. Obviously, a lot of people, when they get to that midlife period or when they hit 50, you know, um, you know, they really start rethinking things or maybe they're at that point in their lives where they really want to start focusing on the things that they know are important to them and to harness the aspects of their life um, where they think they can really find a lot of fulfillment and a lot of joy. And this concept of disrupting aging, um, you know, For folks who don't know, well, I'm sure everybody has heard of the baby boom, right? We're all familiar with that. Um, After World War II, there was a very dramatic explosion in the population in the United States. And there were uh, 73 million people, I think, born between the years of 1946 and 64. And um, uh, that was very, very significant, not only in terms of the size, but in terms of what that generation was and what they represented. And uh, there's a, a somebody who ARP has worked with a lot over the years. His name is Dr. Bill Thomas, and we've mentioned him before on this show. And there's a website he works with called changingaging.org. And uh, Dr. Bill Thomas kind of laid out the story of, you know, the what the baby boom is. And, you know, we all know um, the baby boom was just not only large, but it was very, very different than any other generation before. And if you think about it, you know, you think about youth culture, right? When people start, they think back the decades, they think, when did like teenagers and all that have an identity, you know, culturally, right? In society, people tend to think like, well, the fifties and stuff, right? You don't really think much about, oh yeah, those teens in the forties, you know, they really shook things up. No, it's like it started in the fifties and obviously the sixties, right? The social movements, um, the anti-war protests, the the disrupting of um, of and questioning of authority and, and and certain values and traditions and things like that, for good or for bad, um, it was extremely significant, and we see that even played out today, right, in American politics with the culture wars. This is where so much of this comes from, and so the baby boom was not only very large; it was very very different, so different and so large that it actually shifted the bounds of, of American society in ways that, you know, could not be predicted. And now that same generation is retire, is, is hitting the age of 65 at the rate of 10,000 per day, um, which is the same, roughly the same birth rate we have right now too. Very, very significant. And these same folks who redefined what it meant to be youth culture and, and all that now are redefining what it means to age in America. And so, 
Uh, it is a very, very dramatic, very significant shift, and that's why when you hear from AARP, you know, the concept of disrupting aging, um, a lot of this comes from understanding this reality that today to, to live and to be aging in America today is not what it was for previous generations. It is so much different. Um, and uh, one of the ways that AARP tries to meet that need um, is by providing volunteer opportunities and programming and engagement so people can have the impact that they want to have. And um, here in North Carolina, um, that is uh, felt very, very strongly in our mountain region. And to talk a little bit more about this is uh, ARP North Carolina's own Associate State Director for the Mountain Region, Miss Rebecca, excuse me, Mrs. Rebecca Chaplin. Rebecca, thank you so much for being with us today. Hey, it's so good to be here. I feel like I'm just right in the room with you and um, being off in the lost province of the mountains, sometimes we feel like we are, um, you know, kind of different than everyone else. So it's nice to be with you. I'm so glad you put it that way. And you are missed here in person. She's joining us via Zoom, by the way, ladies and gentlemen. Um, as you heard, Rebecca, J uh, Jason and I were talking about beach person or mountain person. I'm not going to ask you. You live in the mountains, so people can, you can, people can let their imaginations run wild with that. What makes uh, North Carolina's uh, mountain region unique, though? Tell us a little bit about what your thoughts are on that. Yeah, and it is, of course, just my thoughts, but I moved to this area in 2006 to the um, mountain region of North Carolina, western North Carolina, and I noticed right away that there's a quality to um, the community here and the way that people interact, which seems distinct. Um, there's this sense of interdependence and cooperation, I feel, among organizations and individuals to kind of take care of their own. I just put in air quotes. People in communities and neighborhoods watch out for each other. I live in a small community with no stoplights, and um, the fire department here, we all know that if anyone has a problem, the fire department will take care of you. And even if you don't have enough money to pay for that ambulance, they have a special fund um, to take care of themselves and one another. So I would say uh, the because of the topography, the geography, and the weather, people have learned to cooperate and take care of one another. You know, I remember when there was that big storm, I Fred, Hurricane Fred, about a year ago. Mm -hmm. A bridge was washed out, and someone on the other side of the bridge had COVID and so um, needed to get to a hospital. So somebody, you know, in the community came with their equipment and got that person across the bridge to take them to the hospital. And it's, it's just a really special place where people take care of each other. That is extraordinary, and it's no surprise at all that you've tapped into that spirit by recruiting a really, really wonderful network of volunteers. What can you tell us about your, your volunteers and how they're bringing ARP social mission to life in the area? When people hear the word volunteer, I don't think it, it can elicit the emotion and the quality of what it means to be a part of something bigger than yourself like AARP. It's it, it's a vocation for many of our team members. Mm -hmm. You know, they're spending 20 plus hours a week sometimes volunteering and and they are really into alleviating suffering. And I don't know if that's the same with uh, you know all volunteers with AARP, but I noticed this theme especially post COVID, they really want to help relieve financial and health um, security issues among 
older adults in our community as directly as possible. Um, so one example of that, the property tax aid program that AARP Foundation offers to help reduce the property tax um, impact that that has on people being able to age in their home. Our volunteers right now are being trained to extend the reach of the AARP Foundation and connect with people in our community to help them to age in place and age in their homes by providing property tax relief. That's a great example and a very new program that AARP Foundation is offering, uh, the property tax aid, not to be confused with the tax aid program that the foundation runs, which just helps with uh, folks with uh, getting their their returns submitted and so forth. When we come back, we're going to talk a little bit more to uh, Rebecca about her engagement with volunteers in the mountain region. This is AARP Without Limits. We'll be right back. And we're back. This is AARP Without Limits. Send us a comment. Send us a question. Send us a recommendation for a topic or a guest. AARP Without Limits at aarp.org. Always love to hear from you. Jason, before we get back to Rebecca and her discussion about work going on of ARP volunteers in the uh, mountain region. I have to, a little fun fact to share with you. Okay? I'm ready. Um, I was part of a small, me and uh, my predecessor uh, interviewed Rebecca for the job back when she joined AARP um, some years ago. And uh, I have to just tell you this because it's, it's kind of funny. Um, at the time, I remember we interviewed with her. We talked with her for about an hour, right? And I uh, finished up and... Um, you know, my boss at the time said, uh, so what do you think? And I thought, well, I, I think she's fantastic. But there's just one little thing. I, I just don't know. I can't quite put my finger on it. And he was like, what's that? And I said, we sat there for an hour and talked, and she did not write a single thing down. And he looks at me, and he, I remember he said, Mike, I don't think she needs to write anything down. <laughs> <laughs> Good talent. And I have to say, uh, she was brought on board. What a light she has been uh, for our organization. And uh, she has built such an impressive ARP organization um, out in her region, uh, representing not just ARP North Carolina, but connecting people across state boundaries, which we're going to talk to in a moment. Uh, Rebecca, that's my little fun fact about you. I hope you don't mind or don't feel embarrassed about that. And uh, <laughs> Thank you for the compliment. No, that's nice. Thanks, Mike. Absolutely. Got a question for you here. You know, so much of our, of AARP's work um, is focused, like you said, on folks who are looking to have an impact, to help each other out in their community, to see a need and to help meet the need. And part of that includes advocacy, you know, at different levels. Um, for you and your team out there in the mountain region, what does advocacy mean to you guys? We've had to reframe the word advocacy a little bit within our team, and I don't know if it has anything to do with being in the mountain region or just the collection of people who have come together at this time to work work together and make a difference. Um, it's about building relationships. It's really about building mm -hmm. relationships with our uh, local, state, and federal elected officials. It's about listening and understanding where we connect and where we meet each other and see eye to eye and not focusing on all the areas in which we have tension or differences, but just 
reflecting the needs of the people who are 50 plus. So we've learned to reference it as public policy and um, rather than advocacy, that's helped for some reason, the volunteers and the team to work towards relationships and refining public policies that can support all people as they age. That's a wonderful way of putting it. And thank you for that answer. You know, so much of the work that is needed uh, when it comes to addressing a- issues related to aging and staying in your community, you know, we call this world of livable, creating livable communities, right? Yeah. And um, it's it's so important that people understand that this transcends politics and it transcends the limitations of that word advocacy, as you put, right? And um, not only in terms of the partisan makeup, but also in terms of state boundaries, right? In, in one state versus another. And you've taken... A very, you know, you've listened, you've looked at the landscape there, and you've realized that your uh, the culture of the region that you're in is not just in North Carolina, but some neighboring states, and you have stepped up to help um, extend the conversation beyond state borders. Can you talk a little bit about that, how, how you've done it and where things are going with that? I'd love to take the credit, but really it is the, the team and the um, those who have come together at this time saw something beyond what I could see actually because I would think about collaborating you know within North Carolina but we recognize that especially the more rural parts of Western North Carolina which is most of Western North Carolina faces different challenges and opportunities than the state as a whole we went to our local government and community planners and said what would bring you value around making communities more livable. How can AARP bring greater value to the future plans that are being made? And the local government said, we feel more connected to those in the South Central Appalachian region than we do to the challenges and assets of the rest of North Carolina. We think there would be value in sharing best practices and how we overcome some of the transportation, housing, community services needs, um, respect and inclusion needs. We feel more curious and connected to the innovations going on in southwestern um, Virginia, in eastern Tennessee. And so we created a series of programming initially, virtually, around how these rural Appalachian communities were addressing some of these challenges. Like, you know, we have a lot of mobile homes here, not that we don't all across the state of North Carolina, but there's a difference in the topography and um, and the weather and how that affects how people can age in place. And one of the topics around housing, they talked about how they made the mobile homes more accessibly designed, how they retrofitted those mobile homes as one example of a kind of a unique and innovative solution. Um, so the Livable Appalachia series started in 2021 and has continued on, um, including in-person and virtual events. The next episode that we plan to put on will be focused on hopefully the Eastern Band of Cherokee Indians and the unique ways in which they respect and include their elders as leaders in the community. That is, there's some really fascinating work that you and your, your team are doing there. And I just can't tell you how much um, I, I appreciate it. And this is one of the things I think our listeners should understand. People fear AARP and they see these four huge letters, right? And they think, okay, there's this massive organization right? Nearly 40 million members across the country. And they think of us as a national organization, when in reality, we are a nationwide organization. We do not take a one-size-fits-all approach. 
And that's why we have not just a national organization and a foundation, but we also have 50 state offices plus the U.S. Virgin Islands in Puerto Rico that are each focused on making sure that ARP is the best possible ARP it can be for that state. And then like within here in North Carolina, we're actually divided up even more finely than that where we have five regions, uh, Rebecca working in the mountain region, where they really focus and working with volunteers and partners really focus in on identifying um, what are the unique needs of that community um, not disrupting the culture, but rather they're part of the culture and knowing what the needs there are um, and to help use, you know, the weight and the resources of, of AARP to be able to help make a difference. And uh, being creative, being inclusive, having voices at the table um, and having that long-term vision is so, so important. Uh, Rebecca, in the last couple of minutes, I got to ask you here about the oral history project that you and your team put together because um, it just was so, so powerful. Can you tell folks a, a bit about that? Yeah. Um, and I'm glad that you mentioned the distinctions of our regions and why that's important because our volunteers really want to support and encourage the best of our Appalachian culture and history. And that's a, that's a driving force and a rationale for a lot of our efforts is we, we value where we come from. We value this land. Um, our volunteers also value the stories that are reflected of the people who have been here in this area, who have lived here for their lives. So they created, our volunteers created an opportunity for people to tell their stories. And we focused and we zoomed in on the ways in which older adults contribute to communities. Because at AARP, we believe that people over 50 are an asset. And so we went out and we identified mega volunteers in the community, interviewed them, got their history, um, uh, and took environmental portraits of each person in their sense of place, created an exhibit that was physically shown at the Blowing Rock Art and History Museum in Blowing Rock, North Carolina, a beautiful place if you haven't been there. People can visit that exhibit online by going to the Blowing Rock Art and History Museum site and looking at exhibits past, and you can find our exhibit. But now our volunteers are taking that whole initiative to various uh, museums and art and history museums, libraries all throughout Western North Carolina to continue to really beat the drum about the value of people over 50 and the value of the sense of place that they have here. And it is a remarkable, it was a remarkable exhibit and a remarkable model. And I'm so glad that it has taken on the road, been on the road, so to speak, and expanding beyond that because telling the story of how older adults make an impact is part of what our mission is. And Rebecca, so happy to have you at the helm there in the mountain region helping make a difference. Thank you for being with us, Rebecca Chaplin. You can reach out to Rebecca through our website or through our email address here for the show, AARP Without Limits at aarp.org. Thank you to Jason Kong for production. Thank you for listening. This has been AARP Without Limits. I'm Michael Lunder with AARP North Carolina signing off.